Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Sunday, May 16th episode of Poets and Muses, where we chat with poets about their inspirations. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. You can find us at poetsandmuses.com, as well as on Instagram and Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter, either at poetsandmuses.com or at the upper right-hand side of the Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. Now, in addition to poetsandmuses.com, you can also listen to the Poets and Muses podcast on your preferred podcast platforms. Since the end of 2018, we have featured more than 115 poets from 12 countries on five continents so far, and we hope to continue to do that with your support. And you can do that by going to poetsandmuses.com forward slash donate and donate via either PayPal or your preferred credit cards. With us today is Sam Hui, with whom I will be discussing her poem, Allow Yourself to Smile, and my poem, Oddball. Before we do that, however, I am going to go over some virtual poetry events taking place during the week of May 17th. On Monday, May 17th, from 8 p.m. British time, Bring Your Own Bars Poetry will be hosting their last virtual open mic. You can find out more information at BYOB Poetry on Instagram. Again, that's at BYOB Poetry on Instagram. From 8.15 p.m. Amsterdam time, Labyrinth will be returning with their weekly open mic, and you can find out more information at labyrinthamsterdam.nl forward slash pound sign events. Again, that's labyrinthamsterdam.nl forward slash pound sign events. From 6 to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Cave Condom Poets will be hosting I Am Poetry, a reading featuring Cynthia Manick. You can find out more information at cavecondompoets.org forward slash event. Again, that's cavecondompoets.org forward slash event. From 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, the Western Literature Association, Kansas State University English Department, and the Georgia State University English Department will be hosting the Tulsa Race Massacre at 100. Creative writers reflect on its impact, legacy, and lessons, featuring Rila Askew and Kuresh Ali Lansana. In conversation with Kalinda Eaton of University of Oklahoma, you can find out more information at westernlit.org forward slash virtual hyphen events hyphen 2021. Again, that's westernlit.org forward slash virtual hyphen events hyphen 2021. From 8 p.m. Central Daylight Time, Frizzy Production will be hosting his Poets Playground We Play Clean open mic via Instagram live at poets underscore playground underscore. Again, that's at poets underscore playground underscore. On Tuesday, May 18th from 12 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Fencabulary will be hosting her another midday pop-up open mic. You can find out more information at fencabulary.eventbrite.com. Again, that's fencabulary.eventbrite.com. Fencabulary is spelled P-H-Y-N-N-E-C-A-B-U-L-A-R-Y. Again, that's P-H-Y-N-N-E-C-A-B-U-L-A-R-Y. From 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, 
Urban War NYC will be hosting their first draft open mic for those between the ages of 13 and 23. Again, it's a virtual writing workshop and open mic series facilitated by Roya Marsh. You can find out more information and register at urbanwordnyc.org forward slash first draft. Again, that's urbanwordnyc.org forward slash first draft. From 9 p.m. Central Daylight Time, Frizzy Productions will be hosting his Poets Playground Replay Dirty open mic via Instagram Live at poets underscore playground underscore. Again, that's at poets underscore playground underscore. On Wednesday, May 19th from 6 p.m. Amsterdam time, Word Up Amsterdam will be hosting their Inspiration Factory Writing Workshop by Janice. You can find out more information and register at wordupamsterdam.weebly.com forward slash workshops.html. Again, that's at wordupamsterdam.weebly.com forward slash workshops.html. From 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Do More Baltimore will be hosting their weekly World Tour Poetry Club. You can find out more information at domorebaltimore.org forward slash workshops events. Again, that's domorebaltimore.org forward slash workshops events. Do is spelled D-E-W. From 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Calvary Condom Poets will be hosting their Raising the Dead, a poetry revision masterclass with January Gil O'Neill. You can find out more information at cavecondompoets.org forward slash event. Again, that's at cavecondompoets.org forward slash event. From 7 to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, the Hudson Valley Writers Center will be hosting there an evening with Alex Dimitrov and Donica Kelly. You can find out more information at writerscenter.org forward slash calendar. Again, that's at writerscenter.org forward slash calendar. From 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, Poets Corner will be hosting their reading featuring Kim Trainer and Adam Dickinson. You can find out more information and register at poetscorner.ca. Again, that's at poetscorner.ca. From 8 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, Beyond Baroque Literary Arts will be hosting their poetry workshop with Louis Vet Resto. You can find out more information and register at beyondbaroque.org forward slash free underscore workshops html. Again, that's at beyondbaroque.org forward slash free underscore workshops html. On Thursday, May 20th from 7.30 p.m. Amsterdam time, Word Up Amsterdam will be hosting their Word Up Edition Roots poetry reading. You can find out more information and register at wordupamsterdam.weebly.com. Again, that's at wordupamsterdam.weebly.com. From 9 p.m. Paris time, Paris Lit Up will be hosting their weekly open mic at parislitup.com forward slash open hyphen mic. Again, that's at parislitup.com forward slash open hyphen mic. From 6 to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Cave Condom Poets will be hosting their Portals into Language, a reading featuring Ariel Francisco. You can find out more information at cavecondompoets.org 
forward slash event. Again, that's at caveconumpoets.org forward slash event. From 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Urban Word NYC and the Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts will be hosting their 2021 National Youth Poet Laureate Commencement with special performance by the 2020 National Youth Poet Laureate and our past poet guest, Mira Dasgupta. You can find out more information at youthlaureate.org forward slash 2021. Again, that's at youthlaureate.org forward slash 2021. From 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, the Museum of the African Diaspora will be hosting their open mic night, this time featuring Norm Maddox. You can find out more information at moadsf.org forward slash calendar. Again, that's at moadsf.org forward slash calendar. From 7 to 9 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, the Poetry Center San Jose and the Willow Glen Library will be hosting their third Thursday's open mic, hosted by poet Lessa Metley, featuring Bill Cozzini this time. You can find out more information at sjpl.bibliocommons.com forward slash events. Again, that's at sjpl.bibliocommons.com forward slash events. From 7.30 to 9 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, District 4 Poetry will be hosting their monthly poetry open mic. You can find out more information at facebook.com forward slash district 4 poetry. Again, that's at facebook.com forward slash district 4 poetry. Four is the number four. On Friday, May 21st, from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. British time, Poetry LGBT will be hosting their Speak Your Truth writing workshop. You can find out more information and register by messaging the host, Andrina Leanne, at survivor.andrina.leanne. Again, that's at survivor.andrina.leanne. Andrina is spelled A-N-D-R-E-E-N-A. Leanne is spelled L-E-E-A-N-N-E. From 7 p.m. West African time, Graciano and Warham will be hosting his Corona Versus open mic via Instagram Live at Graciano and Warham. That's G-R-A-C-I-A-N-O-E-N-W-E-R-E-M. Again, that's G-R-A-C-I-A-N-O-E-N-W-E-R-E-M. From 7.20 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, the Hudson Valley Writers' Center will be hosting their open mic nights hosted by Bill Bushel. You can find out more information at writerscenter.org forward slash calendar. Again, that's writerscenter.org forward slash calendar. From 7.30 to 9 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Karis Books and More will be hosting their Punch Me Up to the Gods, Brian Broom in Conversation with Disha Filio. You can find out more information at karisbooksandmore.com forward slash event. Again, that's at karisbooksandmore.com forward slash event. Karis is spelled C-H-A-R-I-S. From 8 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Canto Mundo will be hosting their Of Restless Gardens, Poetry and Environmental Justice with Cassandra Lopez, 
Michelle Moncayo, Kimberly Reyes, and Raquel Salas Rivera. You can find out more information at cantomundo.org. Again, that's at cantomundo.org. On Saturday, May 22nd, from 8 to 9.30 p.m. India Standard Time, our past poet guest, Omesh Mohikar, will be hosting his Let's Omesh Life open mic. You can find out more information at Umesh Mohikar on Instagram. Again, that's at Umesh Mohikar on Instagram. That's spelled U-N-M-E-S-H-M-O-H-I-T-K-A-R. Again, that's at U-N-M-E-S-H-M-O-H-I-T-K-A-R. From 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, The Root Slam will be hosting their virtual writing workshop for writers 18 plus only. You can find out more information and register at rootslam.org forward slash calendar. Again, that's at rootslam.org forward slash calendar. On Sunday, May 23rd, from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Pure Ink Poetry, hosted by our past poet guest Brandon Williamson, will be hosting his Poetry Slam Worldwide. You can find out more information at pureinkpoetry.com. Again, that's at pureinkpoetry.com. From 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Keep the Mic On will be hosting their open mic. You can find out more information at keepthemicon.com. Again, that's at keepthemicon.com. From 4 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, Beyond Baroque Literary Arts, will be hosting The Venice Collective, a poetry reading featuring poets Dina Hardy, Holiday Mason, Jan Wellesley, Janet Cloth, Jim Nadel, Mariana Zaro, Marjorie Becker, Paul Lieber, and Sarah McClay. You can find out more information at beyondbaroque.org forward slash calendar. Again, that's at beyondbaroque.org forward slash calendar. And now let us welcome our poet guest of the week, Sam Hui. Hi, Sam. Thank you very much for coming on to Poets and Muses. Hi, Imogen. It's really great to be here. Nice to have you here. So you brought with you your poem, Allow Yourself to Smile. Before we get into that, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is Sam Hoy. I graduated from NAU with a BA in English and certificates in creative writing and literature. Um, I got my minors in Chinese and philosophy. I graduated in three years because, you know, happy little accidents. I, I got pregnant um, mm. right before the end of my first semester mm-hmm. of my third year. So I graduated early and uh, I've been out of college for a little bit over a year now so that means my baby is a little bit over a year now um yeah so I'm just kind of working with that right now being a mom in the middle of the pandemic um I'm also a coordinator for for poetry on Roosevelt Row Mm -hmm. which is basically it was once an event uh and it can't continue to be after the pandemic uh passes if it passes where we would be out there bringing uh, poetry to the vernacular Phoenix every first Friday. Um, now we're trying to kind of make it into an organization where we give a platform to marginalized voices, especially right now. Mm. 
and especially since we've had to move to an online platform, we really want to use this to amplify voices that typically wouldn't get heard. Right. right. Um, so, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Cool, cool. I just want to make sure people who are not from Arizona knows NAU is North Arizona University. And yeah. you're minor. Uh, so you did Chinese and what was the other one? Philosophy. Okay, cool. And um, I was wondering, was that, was that, I don't think any, well, probably the larger universities will actually teach Cantonese, but was it Mandarin? Yeah, it was um, Mandarin. I, I'm Chinese, but I don't know any Chinese. I took a few classes and I feel like I still don't really know any Chinese, but yeah, it was Mandarin. Okay, okay. You were born here then, right? Yeah, I was born in Ohio, actually, and my parents, my dad moved here from Hong Kong when he was about two, and my mom moved here from China, like the Chengdu area, okay. um, when she was a teenager. Okay. Ohio to Arizona, then. Jeez. How old were you? I was about eight. One day, it was it was April 1st, I should have known, April 1st, they were like, Samantha, we're gonna move to Arizona. And I was like, no. And I cried. And they're like, April Fool's. And then a couple months later, they're like, so we're moving to Arizona. <laughs> uh, they really did fool you, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was the fool. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm so, no regrets. I'm so glad I'm here now. Right, right. But it must um, have been so different, just like weather wise, because, you know, I'm from the East, East Coast as well. So. Oh, yeah. I don't do well in the hot I'm very I'm grumpy when it's hot out so oh God. unfortunate for my boyfriend I'm very <laughs> been like really grumpy the past you know because we're stuck at home a lot of the time right now yeah. uh, due to the pandemic and so I like walking and it's ridiculous because uh, I get really antsy staying at home so I'm just kind of grumpy here and then we go outside and go for a walk and it's still hot so I'm grumpy out there <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like record just uh, a long stretch. I forget how many days. Is, has it broken? I for, I don't know. I'm like in, indoors a lot too. So I'm just like, I try not to, I basically hide myself away during the summer. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to poetry. <laughs> um, oh yeah. <laughs> can you tell us when you started writing poetry? Yeah. I was actually talking about this with my sister the other day, mm. where I was like, oh, no, you know, I took a couple of poetry classes in high school because they're, they're mandatory, mm. um, and I wasn't, you know, I, I liked doing it because it, it wasn't one of our core classes, like math or science, right. um, but I wasn't very interested in it, and I went to school not really knowing what I was going to do. I was like, oh, maybe we'll do something in math. Maybe I'll, you know, take up um, a cinematography, and then I was like, well, maybe I'll do be a cinema studies major. So maybe I'll just do like some English, and then I kind of just just due to a requirement, I took the poetry classes. I was like, oh, this is amazing! I love this. It's, I, I'm able to write in a way and express myself in a way that I have I was never able to. Um, mm. And then I realized I was looking for some old notebook the other day because I used to collect little journals just the books I didn't think I had written anything in them and then there would be short stories in there and poems that I had written in elementary school and middle school so I've been looking for this for a long time I just 
wasn't ever conscious of it. I didn't think too much of it. Right, right. Um, yeah, and I just rediscovered my love for it, I guess, when I went to school. Okay, cool. Wow, do you remember the when you were writing in elementary school, you know, like when you found your notebooks, what they were about? So they were, uh, they were very much like the kind of books I was reading at the time, kind of science fiction, young adult novels. I was trying to emulate them in a way. My poetry wasn't very good, good but, <laughs> you know, for a little kid, I was like, oh, man, it's awful. Uh, <laughs> F minus. Um, they were <laughs> they were just scenarios that I I don't think I ever felt. Uh, They're expressing these feelings that I I don't think I ever felt actually. It seemed to be I was creating these situations in my little head at the time. You know where I was like, well, uh, it's between like a man and a woman at the time. You know, I was just uh, uh, all that heteronormativity, but like. Mm-hmm. I was like a woman that kind of relationship and I'm just trying to imagine how they feel so it was mm-hmm. that kind of mellow drama that I wasn't experiencing as like a eight-year-old nine-year-old ten-year-old but I was interested in it at the time right right wow that's interesting that's pre-puberty so um, <laughs> yeah yeah Going back to these notebooks, you, you kind of realize when you start thinking about those things, right? It's such an interesting insight into yourself. Yeah. My parents never really censored anything I watched or anything I took in, you know. Mm-hmm. I was watching, I was like in, I think, middle school, maybe younger, where I watched Old Boy for the first time with my dad. Or I would watch, you know, Good fellas for some reason oh my God. movie for a while um just these movies with a lot of swearing a lot of violence and i just like the stories behind them uh, i was like yes this resonates with me um the <laughs> tiny little chinese girl <laughs> it was just like a lot of recreation like not in, you know not in ways i maybe can now but it was me trying to recreate the emotions or these scenarios and feelings from mm-hmm. these sort of adult storylines that yeah. never happened to me that I've, I've seen in movies. Right, right, right. So, yeah, so I guess they did have a lot, a large impact on you. You were writing about them as well, even as an eight-year-old. Um, yeah. It's interesting that what you're telling me about how, you know, you kind of forgot that you wrote poetry and then did not like your encounter with it in middle school and then going back to it in college you liked it again really enjoyed it have you thought about why that is the change between middle school and college i keep thinking back to high school and i remember these friends i had we would go see movies and then they would call me like like oh sam she's such a robot she has no feelings she has no emotions i I wasn't very expressive from that time i don't really remember why but Mm -hmm. i knew i was going through a lot I knew I was feeling a lot at the time but I just I, I repressed it I think to the point where I, I didn't even think about it mm. um, I didn't even think it was happening I didn't think I felt anything so you know I wouldn't cry I wouldn't really react have huge reactions to anything my friends said or anything they did to me mm. um, but then when I went to college I don't know what happened I, I, I was away for a quarter and then I came back home to my parents and you know I was just kind of I was okay I was okay 
And then my dad looked at me and he just went, hey, how are you doing? And I started bawling and it felt like years of just not crying and years of feeling nothing. It all came out. Mm. Um, and then I started uh, getting really bad anxiety and I felt really depressed when I went off to college. Oh. Um, and so uh, stumbling into that poetry class, they were like, yeah, like in a way, write about your feelings. And that was kind of so trivial. But like, you know, when they said that, I was able to kind of turn my feelings into something a little bit more creative. I was able to express myself in ways that I didn't think I was really allowed to. Mm-hmm. Poetry just gave me that allowance. Right, right, right. Wow, that's really fascinating. We can talk about that just <laughs> on its own for the rest of the podcast, but we want to hear your poem. So if you don't mind reading it for us, uh, that'd be great. And we can talk about it. Sure thing. So this one's called Allow Yourself to Smile. Allow yourself to smile. Let those eyes crinkle twinkle a bit. Gasp, you're allowed to be surprised. Allow yourself to be caught off guard. Cry a little. Let your mascara run. And you know what? Afterwards, you should blow your nose, smear away your smudged permanent liner with the back of the same snotty tissue, and go out, really go out. Jump out of your home imperfect, and they will know how beautiful you are. Drink a little, go in reverse, beer to mixed drink to mixed drink to shot to shot to shot to shot to shot. Water's for pussies. Don't worry about a little vomit. We are the highest Dadaists, splatter painting our public toilet canvas. They will remember us and praise our ingenuity when we're dead. Don't worry about the perverts. I've got your hair held back in one hand and a flailing shank in the other. Smile and cry a bit. Let your throat burn up. Let your lungs get gray smoky. Let your liver scar up a bit. Wrinkle your feelings to the outside. No one else can ever come close to your delicious decay and to all those who will tell you to protect and preserve. They, they can all go to hell. I have blazed the trail to heaven thrice over, and everyone there is doing the exact same things as we are. Tilt your hair back, dance and breathe, I've got your back. We're both wrinkling all over, and all those who can only watch our earthy decay will never know that paradise is full of tight, scarred wrinkles. Let's laugh, girl, with guttural cackles and bleeding smiles. Thank you. A lot of visuals. Really great. When did you write this? I think about two years ago, so it was the beginning of my third year in college. Mm. Yeah, I was in a weird time. I think I, I had such a stick up my ass when I was in high school, or just, you know, when I was a kid. I thought so highly of myself. I was like, I'm so mature. I would never do any of I would ne- never drink. I would never, I don't get in trouble, mm. you know, straight A student. Um, and then I went to college, and then I'm like, I I don't care anymore. You know, I care, but, you know, what is my image? I, I drank with my friends, and I realized I'd have more fun mm-hmm. than I had, you know, when I was, you know, not hanging out with them, you know, back when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized it was those moments where I think I tried to keep such a perfect image of myself that I was like, I, I don't think I was having fun, and I think... I I loved the ability to be a little bit dirty and a little bit, bit and to be a lot of it <laughs> imperfect, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I, th I think as, as the poem progresses, it sounds more and more like you're talking to someone else. It could be interpreted as you just telling yourself this, but it also sounds like this is advice that you could be giving someone else. So I was wondering if what brought this poem about? That's really funny that you say that because I think I wrote this first as a, like a friendship poem, mm. something that I would, this was uh, the kind of person I wanted to be for my friend, mm. right? I wa wanted to be the one to tell them that it was okay, that, you know, just have, have fun. I'll hold your hair back. I will fight people for you just so that you can have fun and go out and feel safe. Mm. But uh, as I was looking back on it, you know, when we were in talks of um, having this interview, I was, you know, I was reading it and I'm like, I think I really needed this. I think <laughs> I, this is a poem for myself in a way that I, I need to let myself let loose a little bit. Um, I also, I need to protect myself mm -hmm. and, you know, be strong for myself in a way that I don't think I have been for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like all these things that I'm, I want to give my friends and be for my friends. I don't think I have been for myself, so uh, I think it's, it's it, I just think it's funny that uh, you thought it was from me to myself, and that it, it seems like it moved into something for another person, when I think I went the other way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting, the tone of it, it definitely has a, a friendship feeling to it, like that protectiveness. At the same time, it's also, you know, because I guess one of the things that you start out with, one of the words is allow yourself to smile. I, I mean, it sounds like something that you might say when you're looking in the mirror or something. And I think as the poem goes on, it, there's no more mention of yourself. And it just talks more, it addresses a second, second person pronoun. And so it seems more, I don't know if the word is distance, but just like more and more like you're talking with someone else or you want to tell someone else. Was there a particular incident or that kind of got you to jumpstart on writing this poem? I think every time I would go out with my friends, it would just be different things that happened to us that I kind of cherry picked and then put into this poem. So it's like at the beginning, allow yourself to smile. I started with this idea that, you know, men are always telling us, like, you should smile more. Um, <laughs> and now our smiles, it's either we smile to appease men or we don't smile and we're acting directly against what they want. But mm -hmm. still, that's still in conversation, you know, with that idea that they said you should smile more. Mm -hmm. So in me being another voice or the speaker being another voice, that's just says allow yourself to smile it's, it's not a command it's more like you you know please know that you, you are allowed to smile right mm -hmm. and it's it's attempting to give a little bit more authority and autonomy back to women and then it, it's all of these different rules i think that we have that i'm trying to not counter exactly but just you know suggest that women really don't need to follow them right or people don't need to follow them mm -hmm. um you know it's the thing like what is it it's like beer or liquor never been thicker liquor before beer you're in the clear so i was thinking of that and i'm like you know let's just let's not do that you know let's just start with beer you know and then just get to harder and harder alcohol who cares if you vomit you know <laughs> it, it 
just fun to kind of break the rules sometimes. It's fun to be really messy. I'd have these friends, too, who would, they'd be really down, and, you know, I could tell that they wanted to hang out with people. They just felt like a burden sometimes, because I, I sometimes feel like a burden when I'm upset, when I'm crying, mm-hmm. um, and I, I just need to be pulled back up, and they're like, well, I don't, I don't really want to go. I don't look very good. I've been crying. I might keep crying. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's perfectly okay. Let's cry at the bar together. Let's cry at, cry at the club. Um, you don't have to look good, you know, you're allowed to look kind of messy, you know, Mm -hmm. who's it for, really, who's it for, Mm -hmm. Um, if we're trying to cheer you up, who's it for? Mm. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting concept, and I think the whole packet that you sent me as well, it has a very nice, I would say, a feminist uh, lean to it of saying just kind of screw it all, you know, we should matter to ourselves first, and we should have the room to let our hair down, have fun, enjoy, and and also have a friend nearby to make sure that we're safe. Yeah, and I think there's a pressure for women to be quite feminine and to look a certain way. And then there's also this counter where women are supposed to be against everything that was once traditional about women. And it just feels like we're either, you know, we're culture culture, or counterculture, you know, we hmm. are, are or we aren't adhering to this system. Mm-hmm. And it just feels like it doesn't give room to women to just be women, to just be people, to be individuals, um, right. for us to be sloppy and imperfect, um, right. and to kind of enjoy being sloppy and imperfect. Right, right. Yeah, I think that the poem really illustrates that the idea that being able to be sloppy in, is seen as an indulgence. Yeah, I mean, I liked it. I love that storytelling. My favorite stories to tell are, are the ones where I make complete messes of myself, a complete mess of myself, where like one year in school, I got so drunk, you know, because some guy had really just kind of screwed over my friends and he showed up at a party mm-hmm. and he came with like his own kind of jug of alcohol so I, I was like hey and I took it and I, I drank a majority of it it was Captain <laughs> Morgan and then I got so drunk but I returned it to him like less than half of the bottle was left and I could see he was disappointed I had done my job but then I had got back um, to my friend's dorm and I vomited down the stairwell and <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see my friends for I avoided them for months. I was like, they're going to hate me. I'm an embarrassment. I'm awful. And then uh, finally, I got, uh, I hung out with them a few months later, just uh, with my group of friends. And they're like, damn, where have you been? We've been so worried about you. We missed you. And I'm like, oh, so this is what friendship really is. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, I, it, they're just my favorite, you know, because like, what do I want to talk about? So, I got, you know, straight A's. Um, I got like a promotion and I've done nothing wrong in my life. And that's that's my story. You know, it's just not as interesting. It's not something I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. I guess that um, is sort of the question is how do you feel about the definition of friendship since that is part of what your poem is about? Yeah, I think finding real friends or like establishing the friends that I had as my real friends it, it came from eventually 
really establishing my sense of self. Uh, mm-hmm. I still don't think I really established a sense of self, but um, <laughs> more so than I had one. So, like, my, I remember my parents, they would tell me all the time growing up, they're like, Samantha, you were such a good baby. You were, and then they would always tell me these stories of being so good and just being so responsible and, able, and mature for such a small little child. And I that was so important to me um, mm-hmm. growing up where I think it was to a point where I I wasn't self-conscious. I didn't really have much to react to because I didn't think I was perfect, but another part of me thought that I had nothing to, you know, I would never have anything to say sorry for, you know, that I had nothing to learn from because I was, you know, following these roadmaps that, you know, my parents laid out for me Mm. or I was just always studying. I didn't get into trouble. Like, what, what would I have to regret? What would I have to say sorry for? That changed when I went to college because um, I, I didn't have, you know, my parents there. Um, I didn't have people watching me who knew me um, mm. before. You know, people. I was just encountering new people all the time, and I was interested in the people that I was talking to. I'm like, you don't live a life like the one that I had, mm. um, and it seems like you had more, more fun. Or I was encountering people who were just wild and crazy. <laughs> You know, they'd be doing drugs all the time. They would be showing up drunk to class. And they were like 4.0 students taking the largest course load. And just the strangest people. And I'm like, well, well, they're having fun and they're getting good. You know, like, it's like, mm-hmm. you can have it all, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I had to kind of reckon with that a little bit. I had to. I, I was trying to, like, reevaluate my life in that way. And it made things so much more complicated so I, I did move from little perfect robot or quote-unquote perfect robot you know unemotional unattached and then into somebody who wasn't sure what he wanted anymore and I would I got to be like depressed because of that but also my joys were so much higher so much better um, mm. um, I, I mean I'm not saying like you need to be depressed in order to be ha- like truly happy that, that is not what I'm saying in the slightest it's just that given my personal circumstances, I think it was something I needed, you know, maybe not in the way that it came about, but mm. being able to kind of self-reflect, seeing the person that I kind of wanted to be, or not even doing that, just doing things for once, not thinking about myself. It messed with me a bit, but in the moment, I was I was really happy. And in, in being happy and not trying to be so perfect, I, I was able to find actual friends, you know, because if... if I messed up, I could see who still stuck around or who treated me kindly still. When you don't really have that, that if you're just okay all the time, if, you, if you've not done anything wrong, you know? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's, that's certainly, yeah, a way to test the boundaries of friendship and to see who would be the ones who would tolerate whatever, whatever boundaries that you break. Um, <laughs> yeah. If you want to know who your true friends are, get sloppy drunk and vomit down a stairwell. Whoever's there tomorrow, you got to keep them in your life forever. <laughs> what you were telling me, actually, like the, the drunk uh, students who still got 4.0s and the drugged up students who still got 4.0s, that reminds me of this movie, and I was trying to find it. I there was this movie recently about two high school girls who realized that some of their competition in school who they kind of looked down on uh, were 
making also like really good grades and they also had a life i don't know if you know what movie i'm referring to but oh uh book smart oh thank you god right? is that what it is yes 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 because i was looking for it and i was like i don't remember the name of it <laughs> oh my goodness yeah i forgot for a minute um that movie i was like that's so true high school i i never got that moment to just freak out but oh my god that's <laughs> yeah because I was meeting people but like my, I had a few friends who would just go on acid trips like some my friend one of my friends I, I won't name her in case she doesn't want me to name her but um <laughs> she would go on these acid trips just so that she could write philosophy mm -hmm. um and she was just so smart always so quick on her feet and she was so much fun one of my favorite people Mm -hmm. I met another person who, and this is kind of on the same sort of wavelength, but like he was a STEM major, I think engineering, and mm -hmm. he, he was just taking a creative writing class for fun, and he wrote the most beautiful short stories. It, they were just so visceral. They kind of uh, appealed to all the senses, mm -hmm. and I was just like, you what? You know, it's just kind of open <laughs> because I thought like this is my this is my trap. I'm in, I want to write, so I'll be an English major. And then at this point in life, I'm like, I should have maybe done something else. So <laughs> as a writer, I have something to talk about. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because we are expected to pick our major in college. And in a way, it kind of sets us off on this path that at the time of choosing, we might not have the experience of choosing it. Right. So... Right. Um, and a lot of times you're choosing it, you know, while you're in high school. Yeah. Um, what, do, what does an 18, 17-year-old know about anything? Right, right, exactly. Um, let alone, like, academia or, like, what they want to do or what kind of career they want to follow. Right, right. And then at some point, people who might have thought they knew exactly where they want to be, they have their lives planned out, and then later on, you know, maybe a decade or two later, they realize, actually, this is not what I want, uh, having seen more of it. And sometimes, you know, it takes them that long because they never had the time or they never took the time to really look at what they are as people, what works for them as people. It's an interesting thing that even now, I mean, I imagine having a child changes your perspective enormously. <laughs> um, it, it derails a lot um, <laughs> and it, it, I'm just kind of everything feels so like amorphous right now um, I, I'm really not sure what direction I want to be taken in but I mean I, I don't regret anything you know mm -hmm. I don't I don't really want anything right now to be different either I kind of like the idea you know I like not having a direction to go in right now Mm -hmm. um, it's been difficult right now also to, to really say that and really feel it to be true though um, because of the pandemic and everything I know that I felt more depressed in the past couple past few months because mm -hmm. of this pandemic because of everything going on from all of the shootings and from the violence mm -hmm. um, and it, it's hard for me to say yeah it's you know I'm, I'm feeling as you know, as joyful as ever I, I'm not mm -hmm. but me having a child has nothing to do with that. If anything, he's he's really keeping me going, and he's a really bright 
life in my life right now. Right. Yeah. yeah, I'm really, I'm really glad for that because it does seem like everything has been just thrown into the air and nothing has completely settled yet and we just have no idea where it's going to turn. So it's nice to have somebody who can ground you in, in that very mm-hmm. real way. Right. Yeah. And it's weird because I see a lot of people, you know, once they have kids, they're in that mode of like, oh, it's time to settle down. It's time to become a real adult. I had a child and I do not feel, I have not felt like more of a child. <laughs> where, you know, at this point where I'm like, I'm allowed to play now, you know? I mean, I'm not vomiting off the stairwells. Um, but the thing is, I, I don't feel any sense of this kind of maturity. Like, nothing just kind of clicks on a dime. There's a part of me that's just kind of like, I, I want my son to know who I am, you mm-hmm. know? Not like a form of a mother that I, I quote unquote should be. Mm-hmm. I, I want my baby boy to be a part of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, like I would take him out for our first Friday event before this pandemic. I would bring this baby to like these small little parties, not like out big house parties, but like mm-hmm. you know where he would be surrounded by. I would be surrounded by friends, and he would also be surrounded by my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would just kind of know what life is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is kind of important. I think I think we always have this vision of what adulthood is, and then as we approach it, as we cross those thresholds and those uh, mile markers, we realize that really it doesn't feel very different. We still want some of the things that we wanted when we were kids, and the rest of adulthood, at least from looking at other people's lives, feels more like a like a make-believe, like a pretense in some ways. Right. You know, on some level, I don't know what works for other parents. I don't know what works for other people. Like kind of returning to my poem a bit, I want to be this person, this friend for my son eventually. Like just for him to keep messing up and to know that he's not going to lose me no matter what he does, right? He's allowed to be sloppy Mm -hmm. he's allowed to do all these things that we're you know i think a lot of parents are trying to move their you know they're trying to sway their kids from ever doing anything wrong when really we should be allowing them to kind of mess up and then for us to you know to be that support for them to be like yeah you're gonna mess up um here's where you go from there right right um No, you messed up, but you know what? Please don't worry. I've got your back. I'm gonna help take up all the pieces. What the? I think I think one of the problems of having this very stringent childhood of feeling like or making someone feel like they're not allowed to stray from whatever formula their parents have for them is that they don't really know what the real boundaries are. They can't explore for themselves. On the other hand, of course, there are also those parents who just let their kids do whatever and they'll help them clean up and then the, the kids never learn any sense of responsibility. And then, and then we kind of see what happens because we're in the middle of that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's... I, um, my, when I was pregnant, so I was a short little story, and when I was pregnant, 
I was just asking my different professors, like, oh, um, I, I, I'm really worried about being a good parent. I'm really worried about being a good parent. And then my philosophy professor, he was talking about his son. So his son and his girlfriend, they had a child mm-hmm. when they were still kind of like party animals um, <laughs> in college. So he, he was just kind of un, unruly, unwily. They had their child and, you know, they just weren't the perfect parents of this child. So this child was really kind of mild-tempered and, you know, well-mannered and just a you know, very respectful kid. And then, you know, a few years down the road, my professor's son, he kind of got his shit together and, you know, was more of the standard of a parent. Right. Mm-hmm. He was just like, oh, I'm going to do this right this time. And, you know, once they have all the resources and once they, they're finally this image of parenthood, they had a kid. This child was just crazy, insane, really unwieldy. And <laughs> I, at this point, I'm like, OK, great. So no matter what I do, I have no control over how my child ends up. Um, <laughs> so all I can do is be kind to them, ensure that they know that I love them. Yeah, um, and they'll be who they are gonna be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think it, it depends on your situation, right? Your child could be a balance to your life, as your philosophy teacher's son seemed to have found out <laughs> in his life, or your child could be something else. You don't. There are definitely parts of it that you have absolutely no control over, and even though they come from you, they literally come from you as a woman. <laughs> they they don't necessarily turn out exactly as you had imagined them to be or or even sometimes what you hope they would be. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think it it is that sort of like lack of control and the need for control that you touch on in your poem, the sense of just letting things go and enjoying being that I resonated with and that's why I chose my poem Oddball which is about this idea of how much we are being regulated by societal norms. So I'm going to read that and then we can continue our conversation. What's the difference between seven and eight, but one turning into 60, then 3,600, as we focus in on the rudimentary elements forming basis for their existence? I can't await the ticks lacking the precision of nanoseconds, only human. Only human reminds this spinning world, fall in line, hisses menacing whispers from stiffened voices, trying hard to wedge their organic forms into artificial angularities, spiteful of those foregoing the torture, routine, a correction spits out from the corner, We're all valuable individuals, but uniformity makes us worthwhile. Ah, easier to control, handle, live with. Less curves to skate on, to throw off balance. We can handle only so much. With scheduled feedings, all else would be made easier if everything just followed suit. Where was I? Oh, yes still searching for the building blocks that will increase seven to eight. Yeah, that's an amazing poem. Thank you. I was wondering, like, what exactly are you imagining here? It seems like you're talking about, like, the strict routine of 
and regiment of being maybe a figure skater or something along the lines of, you know, one of those, the kinds of sport that women perform in like gymnastics, figure skating, and ballet. Yeah, it does have that feeling, right? There's, I would say, several voices within this poem. When I wrote it, it's more sort of like a internal reflection. I wrote this because I was having trouble sleeping, as I am still having trouble sleeping. And looking at this poem, I have to say I envy the times when I used to sleep seven hours. <laughs> I would like to have that more regularly. But yeah, I was starting to have these uh, keep waking up just naturally after seven hours instead of eight hours, as I used to do. And I was kind of wondering what the heck was going on. So in, in just counting that hour and changing it into seconds or minutes and then seconds, then realizing that, you know, I was no longer in any kind of a routine and that kind of debating with myself on the positives and negatives of having routine, having frameworks, also living life as other people would deem normal which this poem is obviously is not normal. And <laughs> just like I was going through a period of a lot of irregularity. So there, there is that push and pull within myself of seeing why we want to have that normalcy, why people push for that normal life. And then also seeing the other side of how just coming from a uh, kind of a not very normal life that I've been leading, how that could be seen. That's why your poem reminded me of it. Because again, it's sort of like saying, well, this is what society expects of you. But maybe we should do something that's more individualized and more suited for us as individuals. Yeah, uh, it's like we as people, you know, these all these routines are put into place on some level you know a person might need routine but on another it, it feels like it's being used to commodify us while reading this it kind of have you ever have you seen athlete a the documentary on the usa's gymnastic team the olympic gymnastic team no i haven't it's insane all of these like young what these younger girls are put through when they're training to be these olympians mm-hmm. They have to look a certain way. They have to maintain a certain physique, some to the point where like they miss their periods for a long period of time. Or some, you know, some girls are younger and they just go for long, long periods of time without having a period, even past the point when they should have hit puberty. And just kind of the abuse that they go through. Yeah. Stands for what, right? So they're not given any breaks. I have a friend who's a gymnast, and she just talks about how, you know, she was she was doing gymnastics on, I think, a broken foot for the longest time. She didn't even know that she had broken it, and that it, it was just hurting right. every now and then, and that she had to sometimes, I, I won't go too much into it, that, that would be her story to tell, but right. you have this line that repeats only human, only human reminds the spinning world. And, you know, we are only human. And yet other people who are people who know their own limitations, they're forcing others into these. So yeah, you have this line where you say, trying hard to wedge the organic forms into artificial 
angularities and it's to kind of forcing women to contort their bodies or to maintain a regimented diet mm-hmm. and exercise in a certain way to maintain physiques that they naturally wouldn't have. Yeah. Um, did you say that you were an athlete at some point? No, I was kind of athletic, but not kind of train athlete in any way. I definitely don't envy what those gymnasts that you described has gone through. I dated athletes, so I know how much work they put into it and how much of being a top-level athlete involves disregarding your own feedback loop, you know, of pain, just like like what you said about your friend, the gymnast, not knowing that she had broken her ankle because she didn't respond. She was trained to not respond to the pain um, because pain is so much uh, of it. Athletes sometimes have some of the worst, like, injuries because they, again, are trained to ignore those signals. What you just talked about referring to those lines reminded me of what you talked about in your poem about the wrinkles, about the delicate decay, kind of uh, reveling in that idea of letting yourself age gracefully, as they say, rather than go with societal expectations of women of never aging or only valuing those women who are young, just reaching puberty to the first wrinkle, basically, <laughs> that narrow band of age. <sighs> right. Yeah. It's like, there's such a kick right now in, like, beauty industry where everyone's trying to, like, it's skincare, skincare, constant skincare, and trying to get rid of wrinkles and scars and all this other stuff. And I'm like, why? Why? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like I, I think on some level... I mean, I do the same thing, right? I'm saying why, but I, I'm also concerned with skincare. But people just have wrinkles. People smile, right? People contort their faces because we have emotions, you know, because that's what our faces are meant to do. That's what our bodies are meant to do. But we're always in this business of getting rid of it. You know, we're in this business of advertising ourselves for maybe a job to other people or on social media. We mm-hmm. want people to think of us as better than we think of ourselves, really. Right, right. And it's both from an exterior, from the societal pressures, and also from an internal or internalized pressure, right? Because I think both of our poems has that sense of, as you said, um, you know, it was talking with some meant to talk with someone else but ended up talking with yourself and mine's more about talking with myself and having an internal debate but also looking at how the outside world forces these formalities and regularities like nine to five job that's seen as normal that's seen as successful what about the rest of the people you know because there are plenty of people especially over the last 10 years and then now especially where regularity is such a suddenly has has become abnormal uh in in many ways because what's going on (laughs) yeah and especially now like there's there's no health reason at this point i think especially during the pandemic there's no reason to maintain that regularity you're seeing like teachers right now tell students don't eat eat in your own home or tell parents like don't feed your kids and they're in their own homes right what what's it for what's your routine for especially in a time where everything is 
countering routine. Everything's telling you to not adhere to routine. And we keep trying to cram these squares into these circle, like square pegs into like circle holes. And it's just making life more difficult, right? And for what? To make us more efficient? Like what, what do you say? Easier to control, handle, easier to live with, right? Right. Uh, that line, I, I loved it. You know, I think it relates a little lot to my poem where, you know, when you vomit, when you're kind of messy, when you go out drunk and you're just all over the place, you are in a way or you feel um, like an inconvenience to your friends, like an embarrassment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the reason we tell people not to vomit, well, I mean, on one hand, it's like it's, it's not fun to vomit. But like on another <laughs> hand, you don't want to be an inconvenience or people don't want to be inconvenienced by you. Mm. People don't want you have, having too much fun to be a little bit disruptive, you know? Mm. People want you to be easier to live with as opposed to them trying to understand you better and relate to you on a human level. Right, right. And I think there are, you know, we do just inherently have routines, right? Because our bodies have routines. Okay. We sleep at a certain time. We react to the changes of the weather, changes of the season, changes of time in a certain way. And those are our natural routines. At the same time, we have this super, super routine of, you know, societally made these, again, societal pressures of making you live a life certain way as a model of success you know like you have to decide by your second year of college or at least that used to be that you, what your major is going to be set your goals for life and go in that direction and if god forbid you find out in the middle of your life that somehow does not work for you at all and then then you get this moment of complete utter lost because following these prescribed life goals didn't work so a lot of it is how much are we doing these things to not be bothersome not be a burden on society as you talked about like not be not be bothersome to your friends and how much are we doing it for ourselves not to advocate for a complete utter selfishness because obviously that's not working you know as we can see But also having no self-awareness is not helpful in understanding how we fit in the greater world and how we might benefit by knowing ourselves, knowing how we fit, knowing how we connect to the greater world, to society as a whole, and still feel a level of autonomy, feel a level of making our individual lives worthwhile as it is. Yeah. I was wondering about your poem then. You have this shift happening in the first stanza. You say, like, as we focus in on the rudimentary elements forming basis for their existence, I count away. And it seems like there's three different groups of people in that way. There is a we that you're included in. There's the I that counts away takes. I was wondering what you were doing there, what you were thinking about. Just functionally speaking, not within the poem context, but more within my life context. I'm just like uh-huh. counting out different ways of looking at one hour. One hour into 60 minutes, then 3,600 seconds. But because us as human beings don't have any more precisional, or at least we are not as aware of 
any more precisional measurements. So we can't do nanoseconds, at least not consciously. So when I talk about as we focus on the rudimentary elements, we as like society as a whole, as or a collection of individual human beings, look at the rudimentaries of us as human beings, as or even in a larger sense, we as people who want to understand better ourselves, maybe through science or whatnot, uh, going into the rudimentary elements of being, like like the DNA or something like that. And then when I say forming the basis of their existence, when I say there, I mean the reference is to the rudimentary elements rather than another group of sentient beings. I think throughout the poem, there are like three different voices (laughs) or multiple voices, I would say, that's sort of looking at the same subject from different sides. Because one of the things that I enjoy doing that uh, sometimes I do, not right now, I wish I still did have the time to do, is to mentally turn a subject around as if it were an object and to look at it from different perspectives. And so this poem actually talk about some similar things from different perspectives. One's talking about the negativity of trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. Uh, But one is saying, well, what about the positive aspects of it? Or coming back with some explanation for trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. So, you know, instead of thinking it's torture, you know, like parents might say to you, well, you shouldn't you be going to bed because, you know, it's whatever, whatever time. The person who do not regularly go to bed at that time might think of it as torture to be nagged about those things. But, you know, from a parental perspective, it might be just trying to get that person on a better routine. So the sort of like bargaining back and forth that you mentally do without maybe consciously thinking about it, or especially not putting it in a poem, you know, (laughs) that we do because we're poets that we're artists, we're like, oh, I'm going to put that in a poem. <laughs> and then just let it go out there and live a life of its own. And, you know, until until we have a conversation like this where you have to explain it to each other and you're like, um, actually, I was just having, I was having a conversation with myself and then I, I decided to write that down and let you in on my conversation with myself (laughs) (laughs) so it's it was sort of that um but uh, i think it's also looking at there's different levels that obviously i talked about the internal conversation that i'm having i'm also looking at how society is teaching us by just maintaining quote unquote norms It's teaching us what we should be doing if we want to be considered in society, in heteronormative dominant society, what is considered to be normal, what is considered to be successful. I really like this, these few lines at the beginning where you say like, you have this like, the limitation of what people can do, right? We lack the, lim- the precision of nanoseconds. So there, there, there's already like a limitation on people. But then the next paragraph is talking about how people will still limit people, mm. right? Yeah. I, I tweeted something the other day that I'm still trying to understand. Where I said something like, sometimes 
sticking to your principles fucks other people over. <laughs> and I, I, I think it's cruel. And like, I, I, I would never advocate for somebody to forego their principles. You know, I would never be like, just get rid of your principles. <laughs> <laughs> but I think in a lot of ways, our society has kind of created this thing in which we ultimately are going to fuck people over. Mm. Um, by maintaining to our principles and we have to make that decision you know what what do we value the most right now mm. do we value the most of like right being right and knowing that we are right and good or being with each other being mm. with others mm. um, and and I think it's a cool sort of decision to make it, yeah. it's, it's a cruel cool choice to make and yeah. I have no answers for that but I was just you know, thinking in terms of like, you know, we, we, I think a natural routine is, is good in a way, you know, at the beginning of my unemployment, I would, I would sleep for a certain amount of time. I would wake up at a certain time, you know, it's not, you know, within the schedule of like my work day, but I was feeling a little bit more rested than I was on a, on a weekly basis. I felt a little bit more healthier at first. Mm-hmm. Um, and over time that I, I, I overdid it. Right. And then suddenly I fell out of that routine. It was just like oversleeping. It was too much. You know, we don't have that kind of medium ground anymore. I think as we continue piling on like routine after routine or or structure after structure, at what point is it us just trying to create kinds of standards for us living living with each other? And at what point does it become quite cruel and Mm. inhumane? Mm. Does that make sense a little bit? Yeah, I think I think that that is one of the points of my poem is are we maintaining structure for structure's sake or are we maintaining them because they actually serve a purpose they actually serve the greater good because I think any structure no matter what because society encompasses so many individuals structures will apply good structures will apply to the most number of people Bad structures will apply or advantage only a few. As we're seeing, it's problematic, obviously, when that happens. And it could eat into itself and it breaks down society. And so we do have to have a system in place to allow the time and the space to examine the structures we have put into place and see whether or not it still works because society, we're all growing as uh, individuals and then also individuals within a part of society. So I feel like we individuals as themselves are sort of like a puzzle already because there are so many moving parts, so many things to understand and also we're organic, so we're growing. It's not like we, there's no stasis. And then because we are part of a society that's made of a large group of individuals and we're connected to that somehow. It basically is a multi-layer puzzle that we are in. Sort of like trying to get a Rubik's Cube to six sides of the six, you know, same colors, which to me is impossible, obviously, to many other people it's not, but, you know. So it could seem like that because, you know, you turn one thing, and the entire thing changes. It has that kind of relationship to it, but it's even more complex because the 
individual squares on a Rubik's cube is actually morphing all the time. So it's an organic puzzle, is what I'm trying to say, I guess. Yeah, uh, an organic puzzle. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> please, like, title that your next poem. I'll think about <laughs> it. I'll think about it. Um, yeah, I love it. I'm wondering, why then did you title this oddball? Did you feel like you, well, I, I, I'm not trying to assume, I think I was, uh, I'm not trying to assume that the speaker is you, but I guess what, is the speaker entirely an oddball, or what were you thinking there? Yeah, I felt like an oddball, also because it's, it's a very non-traditional poem. I know that's sort of in fashion now, but it's just like really weird, and it's even different from the poems that I usually write. And it was written at an odd moment. I think now it's less weird in my collection of poems because I'm I'm kind of letting go and be like, eh, I'm just going to write whatever, even more so than before. So to me, it was an oddball both like on a meta uh, way of commenting on the poem itself and also a self-assessment of mine being not living really a routine kind of a life, not living... Um, kind of life that other people might see and be like, oh, yeah, I understand that. Most people might look at it and be like, what the hell? Just like they <laughs> might look at this poem and be like, what the hell? You know, so um, yeah. that's why I just named it Abel. Yeah, I love these, like, little details because I think you, you start off with, like, like, numbers and then this kind of, um, I think technical sort of language at first, you know, mm -hmm. um, like you have kind of like precision, nanosecond, you have angular, artificial, organic, these sort of things that feel a little bit like, like more formal and, you know, mm -hmm. technical. But then you have these little breaks, you know, where, where you go, like you ask yourself questions. You have this like uh, easier to control, you know, mm -hmm. where I thought it's, it's the forms already so different. So kind of like odd, like what you said. Um, and then on top of that, it seems like as we progress throughout the poem, it, uh, it's a person breaking free, right, through the, the words, through the, the poetry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. This really a reflection on what is freedom, what is routine, how different views of routine and different views of freedom and what's the definition of regularity all of these things that i decided to tackle on a day where i didn't get enough sleep obviously <laughs> i'm just like yeah today is a good day to look at that yeah <laughs> so thank you very much for taking the time to talk with me about both of our poems and how we are looking at us as individuals how we like to be sort of perceived and also how we want to kind of go forward with our lives in many ways and how we interact with society on a larger level so before i let you go i would love for you to tell us i don't know if you have any time to go to any virtual open mics if you have any favors that you want to share if not just tell us how people can follow you and get to know more of your work or maybe just get to see your baby once in a while <laughs> So any of my favorite open mics or things happening? Mm, yeah, yeah. So I'm working with Arizona Masters of Poetry, mm. and they do, so not something open, 
like but they do little interviews with poets that I kind of tune into so you know I would give them a follow and then I would just kind of go through like my favorite thing to do is to just kind of go through different kind of poetry organizations or kind of bigger groups you know like Arizona Masters of Poetry maybe like Poets Muses through even our poetry in Roosevelt Row go through the people that they follow because typically it's the poets that are being followed and then just kind of following random Instagram accounts. Hmm. I don't have any public social media handles right now, but uh, I, I can be contacted through Poetry on Roosevelt Row. Mm-hmm. That's basically our handle for most of the our, our, our social media pages. We have Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. What else do we have? We have one more thing, don't we? We have an email. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Poetry on Roosevelt yeah. Row. On Twitter, it's at Roosevelt Row Poetry. Mm-hmm. We're working on a fundraiser where people will send us a prompt, maybe a one-word prompt or, or a two-word prompt. It can be more specialized, but we would we'll write, type out a poetry on typewriters on really nice stationery, right? and then we would send it to them. They're priced at around $10, but the money goes to either us maintaining our typewriters and uh, buying stationery and all the fees. The rest of it will go to either the Trans Queer Pueblo, the Navajo Relief Fund, or Arizona Sustainability Alliance. Cool. All um, very good classes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Really, really appreciate this conversation. Thank you. I had fun. Cool. As always, you can find us at poetsandmuses.com as well as on Instagram and Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter by going to poetsandmuses.com. Now, aside from poetsandmuses.com, you can also listen to the Poets and Muses podcast on your preferred podcast platforms. I'm your host, Imogen Arate. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a safe and healthy week, and I look forward to bringing you another episode next Sunday.